edible, bakeable, ridiculously delicious. It's dope, and it's legit cookie dough. It's also the only kind of dope I encourage my listeners to enjoy. With delicious flavors like Ride or Die, Cookie Monster, my kid's favorite. I think because it's blue and extra delicious. You want s'more and fairy dust? You can buy yours online at dope.com. That's spelled D-O-U-G-H-P dot com. Buy dope, give hope. A portion of every purchase is donated to a mental health and addiction recovery nonprofit. At the time this airs, Kelsey and Dope have donated over 66,000 mental health treatment minutes. That's nothing to sneeze at. Founder Kelsey Morera is a Shark Tank alum, voted to the Forbes 30 Under 30, and a recovering alcoholic herself. She is the real deal. Kelsey was kind enough to share her story on the Dismantled Life podcast with me, and Kelsey's episode airs on November 13th. Listen anywhere you grab your podcasts. Treat yourself to some dope, support Kelsey Marrera, support dope, help drive Kelsey's donated mental health treatment contribution, and support the Dismantled Life podcast. Use the code DismantledLife for 10% off, buy some dope, and help make it a great day. Stay sober. It ain't just about being clean and sober. You have to change your mindset in your life, because if you don't, then you just go to the same thing. It just happens all over again. Marijuana, wine, alcohol, acid, mushroom juice, those kind of things. I started using IV. I started um, using a needle, got into uh, Demerol, uh, methamphetamines, cocaine, hated meth and coke, uh, but got hooked on Demerol. Knew I had to set it down. I did OD twice. Uh, my third time I knew I was a goner, it was fixing to be over with for me if I did not put it down. If I thought being beat, uh, was typical. I thought man to man was typical. I thought that kind of lifestyle was it, the hustle. And like I said, when I got clean and sober, just because I got clean and sober didn't mean anything. It took me 10 years of trying to train myself and, and to be a parent. I have, I'm the mother of four. Well, mine is kind of different because I didn't have much of life uh, before in adulthood. To start, I've been on my own since I was 13, had my first child at 13. So my addiction started around that time. Coming, growing up quickly, I grew up quick. The time I was, like I said, 13, having children on my own, living with a grown man who was a dope dealer, um, abusive dope dealer. So all of my teenage years, I lived with this man from the time I was 13 to 19 years old. Did not start, like, you know, typical things as a teenager, acid, well, I say typical Marijuana, wine, alcohol, acid, mushroom juice, those kind of things was typical for me in that. But about 18, I started using IV. I started um, using a needle, got into uh, Demerol, uh, methamphetamines, cocaine, hated meth and coke, uh, but got hooked on Demerol. I was probably 26 years old when um, I finally knew I had to set it down. I did OD twice. Uh, my third time I knew I was a goner, it was fixing to be over with for me if I did not put it down. So life was rough growing up. My mother was an alcoholic. Uh, my brother was an alcoholic, died of alcohol poisoning. My sister done 15 years for DWI manslaughter. This is the reason I do what I do today as an intervention uh, interventionist and as a case manager and sober coach. I got into this years later. It took me, I've been clean for 31 years. April of 2000, and, I mean, yeah, 2021, I'll be clean 32 years. And it took me 
you know, people say, oh, just get clean, just leave the drugs alone, leave the drugs. It ain't, and I teach this, um, being a director of a facility, it ain't just about being clean and sober. You have to change your mindset in your life because if you don't, then you just go to the same thing. It just happens all over again and you don't get anywhere. The hustle, the bustle, your mindset is still the same. You don't move and you don't grow. But I had to be the one out of six children to a baby of six to break that family curse. And that's what I done. And that's the way I see it, because I was just raised in that all my life. I thought being beat. Uh, was typical. I thought uh, man to man was typical. I thought that kind of lifestyle was it, the hustle. And like I said, when I got clean and sober, just because I got clean and sober didn't mean anything. It took me 10 years of trying to train myself and, and to be a parent. I have, I'm the mother of four. I had to train myself to be a mother because I had never been taught that, um, not being raised like I should have been and, and stuff. I had to teach myself to do that. So sobriety and, and addiction is something is and a lot of people and, and we argue about you know people are gonna argue but people argue with me that addiction is a disease and i tell people if you're gonna have if you've got somebody hands you cancer would you put that in your body no it becomes a disease once we t are taking it is our choice when we're young and we don't know no different but it becomes a disease and takes over our body that we don't have no choice that it is an addiction that it is a a disease so I just was blessed and just, you know, and that's the way I have to put it is because um, I shouldn't be here today. Cocaine, meth, mushroom juice, acid, you know, and I said those were typical things, but those were not typical things. You know, they weren't normal things, but they were things that i done. But I didn't get addicted until I was 19 till I started sticking the needle in my arm. That's when I got addicted. Uh, when I started doing that stuff is when it just like, okay, I finally found something that was better than that man that was beating and abusing me. And I ran with it and almost lost my life, not once, but two times. And that third time it was fixing to be a strike route. And, um, and that's why I got my life together. And like I said, it took me about 10 years to, to grow and to learn. And then the rest of the years I've just ran with it and just started helping people. And um, I've always have, I've always had that, um, on me that I wanted to help somebody. I didn't want somebody to be like me, but um, I guess it was about 2005 that when I really picked it up that it, you know, this was, this was what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to help people and I need to, because there's so many young people and uh, so many people in general um, doing these interventions and, and sober coaching. I have dealt with so many people. It doesn't matter from the poor to the middle class to the rich to the over rich and um, from young to middle class, I mean, to middle age and old. Um, yeah. it, don't, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, uh, discriminate. It does not it's, discriminate no, at all. It, it's no. one of those, yeah, it is the great equalizer. I hate to put it that way, but it really is. People don't realize, and, and I think that most most addicts slip the stereotype. And by that, I mean, they're not what people would envision in their mind or what Hollywood would present or homeless people on the street, so to speak, you know, in scrubs. And, and, and by that, I just mean, in, you know, just raggedy old clothes. I mean, most not most, many addicts are people you work with every day. I mean, it's they're just in the mix and you don't even realize it. And I, I love two things that you said. I, I love that you said that it becomes a disease. It doesn't start off that way. Um, that's super interesting. I want to circle back to that for sure. But I'm curious how, without a playbook, after all the years of addiction, how do you teach yourself to get and stay clean and to be a mom without a playbook or how did you do that? Like that is super fascinating to me because to, 
decide to make that life change and to fight the good fight for 10 plus years and, and, and to be clean now, how, how did you put your own playbook to be successful together? Could you share a little bit about what that was like? When you go everywhere, you can't teach this because of the way society is today. But I had I gave my life to Christ and I started going to church and I had to learn, though, Anthony, that, you know, I didn't want to be like my and, and God rest my mother. She's dead and gone and, and bless her heart. And I love her. Um, she was my mother. But still, my mother just I guess she did. I don't know why she ended up like she did that. She couldn't teach us and be a mother. But I had to. And I had some help along the way and, and, and from people from the church and other people in my life that's just been placed in my life to show me how to deal with. Because I was hardcore. I had a wall up, of course, from the abuse, but also as a child and, and even being a child, um, I lived in abusive homes that, you know, you it was in. Well, I say abusive because to these days you would think it was abusive. But to me, it was they just didn't your family didn't put up with no stuff. You've done this, you did that. And that was it. And so I was really hardcore and had a wall around me. Well, I had to learn how to teach my kids and, and to deal with them, you know, because being a mother, when you're not taught how to be a mother, it's a whole different ball game. So I had to train myself with help from others. That's the reason I think sober coaching is so great because it is a, and I do case managing. I teach domestic violence, anger management, all those, because you have to teach people and you have to show them because people are quick to give up. Once they say they go to rehab and they come home, man, nothing's working out for them. I've been doing this for two or three months and this person's doing this and they're doing that and nothing's working for me. And I don't know how to do this. And I don't know how to do that. And this, this problem's happening. That problem's happening. You have to be with the right people and the right things, and you have to have your mindset to change. That's what I keep saying. If you don't change your heart and your mindset to change people, I mean, to change yourself, then you're going to go right back to it. In the rehab that we had open until it closed due to funding, I made people get up at a certain time, have chores, do classes, do this and that, because what do they do all day? They sleep all day. They do this, you know, they sleep all day. They don't have jobs they, or they go to work, you know, or they're used to going to the bar after they get off work and having a drink. You have to train yourself to do get out of your comfort zone and do something different. And you also have to train yourself to stop and think, OK, well, back in the days I would have handled it this way, but we're going to handle it this way this time. You have to put something and have people in your place to help you motivate yourself to do and think different than what you did before. I couldn't agree more. I think that one of the most important things for me when I was was working my way out of addiction, and I'm still recovering, right? I do believe that you're always recovering. I don't ever think of it in the past tense because I think you have to always do the work. Otherwise, you can backslide very quickly. At least I can. That's me. But I agree. I had to change absolutely everything. The way I thought, my knee-jerk reaction to things, my emotional response. And I and I had to teach myself, and I'm so glad that I have, to enjoy the struggle. Um, and by that, I mean, get my ass up out of bed early. Yes, Go sir. physically be active in whatever that means. Read books, participate, right. um, say yes to things that right. I would mostly say no to. And little mm -hmm. things like- That's right. And I started to have to look at my life um, in, in two ways- 
Uh, life is happening not to me, but for me and embrace right. and enjoy that process of life and, and, and have so, fun and enjoy the struggle. And by that, I mean, it doesn't have to suck, but you do have to get up in the morning. You have to have positive routines in your life, not just, you know, brushing your teeth and things, but the fundamental things like to say no or to go against the impulse. I had a 40 year addiction, 40 plus year addiction. I started drinking and partying in eighth grade. So to, to make those changes is really, really hard, as you know. We can't handle reality. That's why we drink or get high, because it's like, okay, we don't have to do, man, I'm not dealing with that, like money, like bills. I'm not, just forget it, just forget it. So you have to train yourself to do those things, and you have to make yourself say, okay, I'm not going to do this. we got to deal with this problem today. Because when people don't want to deal with things, and when you don't deal with things, that's when the, you just get lost all over again. You do. You really do. And my thing that I've come to learn, I've been, I'll be clean almost three years here. That's um, wonderful. Thank you very much. And That's it's, uh, it truly has been the best three years of, of my life. And it's just wonderful gift that God has given me. Um, the opportunity to, to live like this clean has been amazing. And I love every right. second of that. But I have learned that I used to paint this image of bullshit around me where I tried to live like somebody that I wasn't having more money and fancy bullshit this. Yeah. And if I don't have this job, this job sucks. And I would paint this crap. And I've come to realize that it's all bullshit. And I live minimalistically now with my family and, and in a wonderful way. And we don't try to keep up with the Joneses as it were. That's right. It truly is, I think, one of the biggest gifts that we have given each other, my wife and I and the kids and everything, just being mellow and enjoying yep. family time and That's slowing right. everything down. Like that has had such yes. a huge impact, yes. given all that fake, nice car, newest phone bullshit up. It's been really impactful. But you know, the thing is, is that you really didn't enjoy that and you wasn't there. Back in the day when we're high, we didn't, even if we had those things, we didn't get to enjoy them because we weren't there. So now you get to enjoy all of that. And now you get to see what it was really like. And, and it's just a different world in a different setting in a different time. It really is. I've learned, and this is turning into a therapy session. Uh, forgive That's me, Lynn, okay. but it's just, in a, it's coming out in a wonderful way. I, I had this chip on my shoulder for a long time where I had to, uh, and I've learned that it was this deep deep insecurity where I had to power my way through situations, every situation. And it's, it, it was horrible. And I feel so bad for the shit that I did and how I behaved. And I'm embarrassed really. And hey, but you know what, that wasn't you. And that was yesterday and you can't and see, and that's another problem we all have. We go to thinking about what we did and man, it's yeah. like, man, I'm, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy of that. And, and we let the past eat us alive. And then we start regretting and we start getting depressed and we start doing, man, you got to leave yesterday and yesterday. We can't undo nothing we done because right. you are not the only one. I promise you from the time I was 18 to 26 years old, old and even a few years after I got clean and sober you do stupid things and stupid stuff I'm talking about like with my children and stuff but you know that's what I like I said I taught people in, in my rehab and I still tell people to the day it's not about just being clean and sober it's about changing your mindset and your heart because we don't do those things and you've not done anything but see we wasted all when I turned 30 years old I cried all day long and everybody kept saying man they're still young why are you crying well I wasn't crying because I turned 30 I was grateful to see 30 because I it was a miracle I've seen 30 but I was yeah. crying because I had wasted all of my teens 
and half of my 20s. And I knew that they, I could not go back. So I had to start living from then. And it took me a while. That's what I had to start doing. I'm 57 years old today. And now I live like, and I'm thinking, you know, I, what I say is, you know, I didn't get to enjoy the younger years. So now I'm enjoying, enjoying the latter years. And even though I'm not as young as I was, and I can't do some things I could then, I still I am given a day every day to get right what I couldn't get right then. I love that. It reminds me of a, one of the quotes that I that I love. Education is wasted on the youth. That's right. And I think that that falls in line with what you're saying. And I think appreciating in the latter part of our lives, being sober and making those changes and being dedicated to them, it does emanate. I went, it's, it's funny that we're having this conversation today because so many, it's just serendipitous really, because I was at the chiropractor and, it, and I had my back to him. I was sitting on the table waiting to get right. adjusted. And he just walked up behind me and, and he just said, you know, it's always good to see you, Anthony. The last few times I've seen you, you got such a beautiful aura about you now. Like, and like, that's real as hell. Like you, yeah. that you cannot get a better compliment than that. That's and right. it, like, you can't, that just is, you have to kind of not only appreciate that and accept it in a wonderful way, but I think what's cool about that is you, you just have to earn that inside first like you have to just be at peace and you're I've learned feeling to do that. again anthony you're feeling again and see what happens is is we get high and drunk and, and for so many years i had a dark cloud around me i will never forget the day that the day that i got clean and sober it was like it was a dark cloud and all of a sudden it was just like the sun it was april the 15th of 1989 and it was just like the sun just bushed out all of a sudden it was bright and it took me several hours to realize what was happening to me. And I said right then, I don't want no more. I don't want no more. I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't do it. Because I thought I was dying, to be honest with you. So, and I yeah. didn't. My baby was born in 1980. I named her Sunshine because the day she was born, the sun was bright, bright. And she said, she thinks I named her after the drugs. I said, no, I didn't. It was because the sun was shining bright, you know. Yeah. But see, today we feel and today we can see. And see, some mornings I get up, I'm on cloud. I'm a morning person, and I'm just so excited and happy that I woke up one more time to see another day and have another chance to get it right. And it's like you, when he walked in that room, seeing we put off that presence about us. And people, some people don't understand that because until you live in that dark shell, until you're in that cloud and in that dark spot that you don't think you're ever going to come out of, Man, I will never forget riding for years, even after I got clean and sober. And I, would, I was born and raised here in Arkansas. And as spots I'd passed all my life, and I kept thinking, man, I don't remember how beautiful that was. That thing's beautiful. And they'd say, well, you've seen the thing a hundred times. Well, I will never forget one year I had moved, called myself going to move to Illinois. And it was, man, it's cold there. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's where I'm at right now. I know. Well, it's freezing. Well, my daughter lives in Mantino. I'll be that way for Thanksgiving. But anyways, I had... Um, we were going to move to St. Charles, Illinois. We were, it was raining. We'd come home to get the rest of our stuff. And it was raining and cold and windy that April. It was almost Easter. When we come home, we get in late that night. We spend the night at my mom's. We get up the next morning and it was warmer here. So we get up the next morning, we start riding, riding. And all of a sudden the sun had, you know, was shining. And all of a sudden everything was bloomed and pretty and the flowers were out. And I said, I'm coming home because all of that beauty, for some reason, just stuck out to me. And I don't know why. And then I just came home, but everything was brighter. Now I don't I see things that are pretty and bright. But those first few years, just everything's so different. So until people see that dark hole and until they realize that they're in that dark hole, they don't understand that they don't understand what we're talking about it. But when you got like that chiropractor, most chiropractors practice in health 
So that's the reason he's seen that aura about you, that you were just shining and glowing because of the happiness and the peace that you now probably have in you. I really do. I always try to explain to people, it's like the Wizard of Oz when it goes from black and white to Technicolor. Right. That switch, and not to put too fine a point on it, I love that moment because things have truly become blessed and wonderful and very calm very calm for me. And, and it's, it's just, right. every moment's a joy. And now I, I'm not going to bullshit anybody. I mean, I've got hard days like everybody else. And, but I do, I deal with the hard days in a different way. I don't let them manifest into bullshit or struggles or right. ripping lines of cocaine and drinking and all the nasty yep. shit. It's, you know, one thing too, I, Lately, I've been because I've been feeling so good. I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. I, I have to admit, like I'm starting, I'm getting a little nervous that something's going to go terribly wrong. And I know that that's just old me trying to creep its way in again. Yeah. It's weird, and I and I think to myself, I've worked so hard to get here, and I'm not doing anything. I mean, I'm still putting the time in and the effort and, and the work, and and, a, and I'm enjoying it. And I just because I feel have felt so good for so long, I'm waiting for something to fucking break. It's so weird. Well, let me ask you this. So say something does break, Anthony, say something happens, devastating. Why would you not think that it could not happen? Because we think because we're clean and sober and we're getting this new life that everything is supposed to be A-OK. -okay. Well, just think about when you were messed up. Everything was jacked up then too. Everything was happening and stuff. We just didn't deal with it. Life is, I always tell people, yesterday is gone. Today's almost over with and tomorrow's not promised. So every day, every one of us, I've lost a son. I've lost siblings. I've lost family, cousins, mother, you name it. I've lost them. Best friends. You know, you, we all, why not us? Um, we're not, you know, we, we are just passing through this earth anyways. And things are going to happen to us. And we have to learn how to deal with them and know that, think about, if and people say, man, if I was jacked up, I wouldn't have to deal with this. If I was jacked up, I wouldn't have to feel this way. Man, we're supposed to feel this way, right? But we're not supposed to hang on to it. You just can't hang on to it. That's the key. You can't hang on to it. You just gotta, you gotta learn how to deal with it and to know that um, nothing you've you done messed up. It's not gonna change it. And being sober, it's not gonna change it. But the way you deal with yeah. it is what's gonna change. Yeah, that's that's really great advice because I uh, great perspective too because it's true. And my son, um, I recorded a different, an episode last night, and I I was going into bed, and he both of my boys got up. They're eight and five, and they they kind of crept in the room, and they're like, "Dad, um, we have one of those Amazon things that you can speak to, and it talks." I forget what the name of it is. Mm -hmm. So they're like, "Dad, we we listened to one of your podcasts last night." And they, it was the first time I've ever heard the podcast. It was wonderful. They both said, Dad, you did a really nice job. And it was so nice the way that you you talked to the, the guest whose name was Jen. And it was so nice the way that you talked to Jen. And I, I was so touched by that. They're eight and five. And I thought, how amazing is that? You know. And I said, if you ever have any questions about anything, feel free. We'll talk about it. Because I was trying to figure out how, how was the best way to present my podcast to them and, and help them understand the construct of it and, and why I'm hosting and he didn't care about any of that. He just said it was so nice the way that you talked to and helped that lady. Like, how amazing is that? That's like, right. I think that that that's really right. couldn't be a better response. And I think what you're doing is great. And that's a way to help heal yourself. This right here, you might be doing this to help people all across the nation that is battling what you've battled and, and, and whatever it is. They might be alcohol. It might be drugs. It might be this. When I went to teaching domestic violence anger management classes, Anthony, I got more out of them than I did the people did. And it was something that I didn't I didn't even know it at that time. And a couple of years into it, because I've been doing this since 2005, so I'm thinking, man, I needed that more than they did. And it was thinking to myself, yeah. John, I had an hour drive. 
Um, and I was driving back and I got to thinking about it one night and I thought, you know, I, cause I shared things and I talked about things. So this is to you, you're doing this to help others, but actually it's a tool for you. This will help you stay alive and alert and on track and focused if you use it and continue to use it it's so true i started the podcast to give back and participate and help people get on stay on or get back on the path to sobriety whatever that means to them and to give back and what's been and i feel bad about it sometimes but i feel like i've gotten more out of doing the podcast than my guests or my listeners and it's just the way it goes because i so enjoy helping people through this and listening to their stories to help others so that the others that are listening know that there's other people out there just like them and that they can make it. They can make it. They just, you just have to put that shit down. Like you say, change your heart, change your mind and you can do it. And people, we can't, um, I tell people, we can't change other people. We can only change us. And I tell people a lot of times who live in or in relationships that have a loved one that's messed up and they're not, you can't change that person, but you can't stay in the middle of this and get jacked up too, because you need to, if they see in you, if you live what you're trying to tell them, then that's what they see. They're not listening to what you say. They're watching what you do. So you have to live. Yes. You have to live what you teach. And that's what I've been trying to do all these years uh, through these, since 2005, I live what I teach. Uh, if you don't live what you teach, then then it's no good. You can't tell somebody else to do something that you can't do. I try to tell my children too. I said, you have to live by example, boys. Like, and I do my best to, to do that. And it's, it's been so enlightening the past three years for me. And I I feel bad. I feel like I'm making this episode about me and I apologize. No, 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 this is fine. This is what I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're very good at it. Cause I, I feel like just really, really opening up and I have, and I, and I've loved, this is great because I really had this, like I mentioned, the, the question about the kind of the, the other shoe falling. Um, and I was trying to figure out a way to get my boys introduced to the, my podcast and talk to them about it. And it's just all fallen into place in its own. And it's been wonderful. Not that I've left it un, undone uh, or unguided, but it's it's so nice to know that there is a wonderful, blessed, life full of sunshine after all that nastiness. I had a good life, but I was messed up for a long yeah. time. And it's so good to be on this side enjoy. of it. You don't remember, you know, it was, you weren't there. It's true. I, I was always chasing something. Yeah. I didn't enjoy anything. I was always drunk or on the way to get drunk or drugs or whatever it was. Well, and- you know, I tell, also tell people, Anthony, that you have to find the root of that problem, the root of the problem of why you've done that. And see, that's another thing people won't do. They won't find, I don't have a problem with therapists, but I have a problem with meds. Because it's all about just give them more meds and you don't forget about it. But if these people don't identify the problem and don't work on that problem, it's always going to be there. That addiction, that that looking for something that's not there is going to be there. That void is always going to be there. They have to fix why. Some people say, well, I had a great life. And I grew up as a child and I had a great life. And I just got with the wrong people and started. No, that, that all might be true. Those are very few and far between. The majority of the people I've ever worked with, I'd say at least 75 to 85% has an issue, an underlying issue that never came out and never would talk about and they wouldn't deal with it. And that's what would shut them down. Yeah, definitely. The secrets have edges for sure. I, I couldn't agree more with that. I, 
And I, I know what mine are. It's truly some issues with some some family stuff. And I, I know what they are. And I've been dealing with them in a different way the last three years, which has been very good and cathartic and, and wonderful. And, the, and it started truly with forgiving my father. It was a very yeah. big thing for me. And, yeah. and when I did that, and I did it at the very beginning of my sobriety too. And I had, I, had be, I had started to forgive him for years before I even got sober. And then I got very, very sick and I almost died in the hospital. And I do believe that in heaven, my father and my family in heaven and others shined extra light on me to help me get through it. Yeah. And when I got through it, I was walking much like you and and it was a cloudy rainy day and I'll never forget and I was walking because I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what to do to stay sober. I, so I just started walking and I took a somatic approach to everything and I was on the back end of my walk, meaning you know towards the end of my one and a half miles or two miles, whatever it was. And it was a cloudy rainy day and I, I just stopped and started bawling in the street. I couldn't, I'm like, I'm like how am I going to do this? I have no idea how I'm going to make it in a little tiny cloud and opened up and just a beam of sunlight came out and hit me right in the face, like hit me like my whole person. And that was my dad and and my my sister and my family, my grandparents on both sides and, and everyone that I love in heaven, giving me a, enough hope and love at that moment that you're going to make it. Just stay the path. Don't give up. Think about this moment when shit gets bad. And, and I think about it all the time. That's good. And it's wonderful. And that truly was the real moment for me that I put it. And I'd been out of the hospital a few days at that point. I was 11 days in the hospital. So this is probably day 15, 16 or something. And I, that was truly the day that even though it was like my 16th, 17th day in, I it was really the moment that I put it all down. Don't know how else to explain it, except it, it was heaven's intervention is the only way I can describe <laughs> it. And it's I'll never forget it. I'll, it 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 for me is everything went away that moment, and and that was the day, the moment that I truly forgive my father, and I was able to truly get rid of all of that bullshit that I was carrying for so long. See, if I t had went through and I and I left all that out, if I'd have told you how I truly was hit and affected that day that I got clean and sober, people would say, "Oh man, that's crazy," because I've never been in a rehab except for working in one. But the last day, I can tell you, the last day I stuck a needle in my arm. And from getting two miles down the road, it was like I had never been high. And I and I can remember my husband saying, that's it. I'm sending you to treatment. I'm sending you to treatment tomorrow. You're going somewhere. And I kept saying, just kept saying, just leave me alone a minute. Just leave me alone a minute. And I remember getting to my mother-in-law's house and running to the bathroom and having to throw water into my face. It took me about two weeks to realize what had happened on me, to me that day. And who it was that had finally told me that they had done all they could do for me. Remember back when you back up, I would OD twice before this. And I thought I was dying on this day. And it was nothing to me but God telling me that he had done. Because, you know, I done cocaine. I hated that stuff. But I OD'd on it. Lord, you let me live through this. I won't do it again. Well, I didn't. Well, I got done the meth. Only about three to six months on these. I hated those things. But then meth, I OD'd on it. I spent 24 hours in ICU for the meth. Um, once I come to, Lord, you let me live through this. I won't do it again. Well, I didn't. Well, I got hooked on the Demerol. I'm thinking, okay, I loved it. I fell in love with it. It was a prescription drug. I can do this. So anyways, I done that. And when this happened, it was just like him telling me in my spirit that, I've done all I can do. It's up to you now. So it was either choose life or death. And I said, okay, I get it. I get it. And I chose life. I was 26, 27 years old. Uh, my baby was uh, to, uh, February, March, three months old. 
my last little girl, my baby girl was, was three months old. I said, okay, I get it. Well, I didn't look back and I promise you, I hadn't looked back. I have not had the urge to get out. Now, I always wonder how come I can't be normal and some people sit down and have what's normal. <laughs> but right. you know, some people could sit down and have a drink with dinner or they could something. But when, when this was taken away, Anthony, it took everything. I remember going out a couple of weeks after I quit doing drugs. And my husband at that time said, we can have a drink. We can have a drink. We, we, we don't have to quit drinking and partying just because we quit doing drugs. I said, okay, well, give me a beer. I remember him popping the top and pushing it to me. And when I drank it, it was like something just slapped me right in the back of the head and said, none. I remember pushing it over, but it affected my body differently. It wasn't like that. But I pushed the beer over and I said, I don't want it. I'm not doing it. So I just can't yeah. do it to me if i get high again or drink again i'm going to die because it was just that conversation between me and him that day that i feel that and that's what has i think that's what's kept me abroad so through the years he worked on me all those years and to the point now that of who i am today and it's taken me years to get here anthony it's not going to happen in a year it's not going to happen in two years and then it happened in three if it does that's great but in three or four years from now Let's t well, I hope we can talk before then, but in the yes, end, let's we talk. Will for sure. Tell me the difference from, from that time to six years later of how much work he done on you or how much you've done in yourself in those six years because nobody gets clean and sober in two years, think they've got it all figured out, and it's great. It's no way possible. I couldn't agree more. I know for sure I am just beginning this journey and sobriety and I have a lot of work to do and, and but but wonderful work and, and I'm look I enjoy the work and but I agree like the difference between me now versus even two weeks ago or two weeks before that is are huge positive swings yeah. and I look forward to what I will look like in in three or six or ten years and and that's not to say I mean I, I still have some moments where it's funny, like I'm so changed that having a drink or chasing the drugs and stuff doesn't occur to me anymore. And that's good. Um, but I, I have moments though of weakness where I think back on right the kind of the addict's curse. I remember how much fun it was I had with my friends when kind of that's how it finds a little crack in the foundation and tries to work its way back right. in through that shit. And I very quickly turn that off and and I go to my new processes and routines and journeys in a good way. And but I agree with you. There's a lot of work to be done. And and I've loved the work, though. I, I really do. I, I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity to do the work because the doctors clearly said on day three in the hospital, you're going to die. Yeah. You're, you're not going to make it and get your house in order, your finances and stuff. Your, well, you know, kids and your my wife. thing is, Anthony, is if we put all that work and effort into being messed up, how can we can't put all that work and effort? and to keep on moving forward. So when you think again, that something's fixing to fall out of the bottom, just let it fall. Because if it does, <laughs> just know you're prepared for it, that you fought to get where you're at and you're going to fault to get, get on past it. See, I tell people there's this key word called through. We've been through, going through, and going to go through. And the key word is through because there's always light at the end of the tunnel. No matter what's happening, we're done been through it, going to go through it, going to get through it. It's just the way it is. And you just got to keep it. It really on. is. That's so great. I, I, that's such a good way to look at it. I love that because you're right. I mean, it, you're either in the storm, coming out of a storm right. or getting into the next storm. Right. And, and you just have to, in the coping mechanisms that I have now are hard earned. And I, I did read and I'm, I'm trying to investigate this, that the day you get sober, 
Um, like your emotional growth equates to when you started really using. And, and there's a lot about that that I completely agree on and with and that I'm learning how to, this is going to sound so crazy to people that aren't going through this, but I'm learning how to be an adult. That's right. Um, hey, that's what I just said. It took me all those years to learn how to be a parent. I didn't know how to be a mother. I wasn't taught how to be a mother or a wife. Or And then it just, it did. It happened. Um, I met a man who was absolutely wonderful. And and at that time, and he was great to my kids. And, he t- and he's the one that taught me, you got to stop. You got to stop living in the past and, and being hard on your kids like they are on your, like you, you know, on them like they were on you. And no, you got to let these kids be kids. And of course, mine was, I didn't want my girls. I got all girls. Well, I got some stepsons, but I had all girls. And I'm thinking, I don't want my girls to do be me or do what I do. And he said, but that's yeah. a choice and we'll deal with it when it happens. So 12 years of that, and it taught me so much. So, that's what I'm saying. God just put people in places and things in my life that's just helped me tremendously. And, and you know, we're thinking about when you was just saying that, you know, when, when I'm talking about us going through, think about what we're going through now, Anthony. If you weren't sober and clean, you how would you be able to deal with COVID and all that stuff? See, a, a catastrophe is already happening and about upon us. So you're making it through that and taking care of your family and kids. So no matter what's thrown your way, you're going to get through it. You're going to be okay. I love the process of life. You know, this sounds pretty heady to maybe the people listening. They might go, what the hell is he talking about? But addicts will completely get this. Enjoy life, embrace life, new routines, and not be afraid to feel things. And I think that this is a great place to end because this has been a fantastic episode. And I have to thank you for truly helping me. Uh, just this is an absolutely spectacular moment for me. So thank you for that. And I this is supposed to be your episode, and and I feel like this was this was a little cathartic therapy for me. So thank you so much. Our goal is to we can't change people. We're tools. I commend you and I appreciate you doing your podcast and trying to reach so many. This is the best way. See, that's the reason everybody, a lot of people don't like Facebook, but I do because it's a way to reach so many people at one time. And this podcast is another great tool. So always remember, we are not, we can't change people. We can't change the way they think or feel, but God can. If it is meant to be to help another person, it will be laid out and it'll work perfect for you. If not, then so be it. If something else will come around, you just keep pushing on and working and doing what you're doing. And I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you for being a guest on my show. And you, you, you made my week. Thank you so much, Lynn. This has been wonderful. Thank you. Anytime here.